I'm Scott Smith, your host. Welcome back. Today in this episode, we're going to be speaking with Pastor Hal Seed. Hal is the church planter and lead pastor and founding pastor of the New Song Community Church in Oceanside, California. They are currently the 98th fastest growing church in the country. New Song has seen over 17,000 people come to Christ and is planting a church every single year in an innovative multi-site method. Pastor Howe mentors pastors who wants their churches to grow with effective systems so that they can reach their communities for Christ. We're excited to have Pastor Howe with us. He's also going to be with us at our upcoming strategy conference. You'll hear more about that. We're going to be speaking with Hal today about the topic of promoting big event Sundays, as he calls them, wow Sundays, and this could also include Easter. As a matter of fact, he's going to give us an incredible point-by-point, play-by-play plan, that's hard to say, (laughs) play-by-play plan to promote any kind of big Sunday that you want to promote, as well as some of the other things that you can put along with it to promote as well, such as small groups and Sunday school. So it's going to be an incredible, incredible conversation with Pastor Hal Seed of New Song Community Church, Oceanside, California. Let's dive into the conversation. All right, Pastor Hal, it is good to be finally on on the line with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. It's a delight to be with you as well. All right. Well, we're, we're tickled to death. Uh, first of all, you know, for those that are listening, if you don't know already, uh, Pastor Hal Seed is going to be with us at our strategy conference September 19th and 20th at Northway Church in Macon, Georgia this September. We are thrilled uh, that he's going to be there with us. Pastor Hal, so thank you for that in advance, but also for coming on today. We want to give people a little bit of a preview of of your voice and your, your teaching style. You've got a lot to say. Uh, give us a quick background clip, uh, you know, snippet on Oceanside, what's happening there with your church new song and uh, yeah. and some of the amazing things you've seen out there. Sure, thanks. Well, Oceanside is the northernmost city in San Diego County, which ironically makes us uh, about as southern as you can get in the Southern Baptist movement. We're at the southwestern end of the United States, but we're just north of Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. So uh, somewhere around about half of my church at any given time are Marines and uh, uh, by God's grace, these these men know how to take orders. Uh, they are patriotic. The women too. Eight percent of Marines are are women, and uh, hmm. and they're in transition. They have moved here recently, or they're going to move out of here, or they're going to go to Iraq and face gunfire. So they're very receptive to the gospel, which is in part why we've been averaging five to five and a half salvations a day here for the last couple years. Wow. Uh, not all of those come from Marines, but. Uh, well, half of those would be locals, and half would be we do missions trips down into Tijuana and Ensenada and just across the border, and uh, Mexicans are very open to the gospel at this time, so we send evangelistic tours down there. We So of the 1,800 we're leading to Christ per year, probably 900 are here in the North County San Diego area, and 900 are in the North Mexico area. Wow. Now, you've been leading New Song now for over two decades, is that right? Yeah, my wife and I founded New Song in September of 1992. Okay, wow. And in, in any given Sunday, worship-wise, you're going you're gonna to see about how many come through for worship? About 1,800. So we're leading as many to Christ per year as we have in attendance, although we're, 
we're growing. So actually, last year we led more to Christ than our attendance. Wow, fantastic! Now you have a unique take on Sundays. You, you see, Sunday is a special day, but the way yeah. you've articulated it has been pretty powerful in the past. Share with us a little bit about your Sunday paradigm. Well, uh, I think most Southern Baptists would agree with this, that Sunday is the most powerful day of the week, not only because Jesus rose from the grave, and that's what we celebrate, but because in our culture, if someone is going to seek God, they're probably going to do that on Sunday. So when you think about it, more people come to Christ on Sunday morning than at any other period during the week. We have 52 strategic days to capitalize on, so we want to drive people to church. Some would call that attractional. We believe in both missional and attractional evangelism, but Sunday morning in your service is the best opportunity to to lead someone to Christ. Not that there aren't other good opportunities as well, but we want to capitalize on that at every opportunity to bring people to church and then to bring people to the Savior. So speak to a little more about that in terms of the way you've framed up Sundays and, and, and how yeah. you've used the, the, the Sunday in your week in some creative ways. Yeah. Well, we think that every Sunday is a great Sunday to invite a friend, but some Sundays are more equal than others. I think everyone knows that uh, Easter is the high point. That's the day when more people come and more people come to Jesus than any other time in, in in any country around the world, but uh, then in some pockets, uh, Christmas Eve is also a great day, even though it's not Sunday. Mother's Day would be one of the highest attended days of the year, so there's some some built-in strategic days to invite people to church, but we're not really satisfied with just having the days that our our Western calendar has built into our year, so we have elevated some other days by by manufacturing what we call excuses to invite friends to church. And over the last 10 years, all of New Song's growth has come from, from three elevated excuses to invite your neighbors. Uh, last year, we were the 98th fastest growing church in the country, and when you look at uh, why that happened, it's because we do attractional uh, campaigns or attractional events. That's a five or six week uh, church-wide campaign that is on a relevant topic to uh, everybody in our area, so it has wide invitability. And the second is what we call Wow Weekends, where we would bring in a high-profile guest, somebody that you'd either recognize their name because they're a major sports figure or because they've done something incredible, or like one of one of our best is a Georgia boy, uh, named Scott, I'm not thinking of his last name right now, but, but he's a paraplegic triathlete who has a tremendous testimony. Can you imagine running 26 miles basically on your knees with tungsten steel underneath them and mm. then, then biking however far it is, 120 miles or something? He's got a great story. And so uh, a wow weekend for us is when, when I say, hey, you're a runner, would you like to come to church next weekend? We've got a paraplegic triathlete who's run the Hawaii Marathon, or the Hawaii Triathlon three or four times and done this all over the country. A runner or a biker says, really? Wow. And so you know you've got a wow weekend. And then the third for us are what we call comeback events, and we try and do those twice a year. Uh, as you and I were talking beforehand, we actually invented a holiday called National Back to Church Sunday. It's the mm-hmm. third Sunday of September because a lot of people get distracted and drop out of church during the summer. And so we use this as an excuse, uh, coupled with Outreach, Inc., which was started by my uh, associate pastor, uh, 
this year there are 28,000 churches already signed up for National Back to Church Sunday. It's just an excuse to invite people back to church. We do a second one of those in January leading up to our, our first attractional campaign. Uh, that's called I Love My Church Sunday, and we give everybody free T-shirts, and that tends to bring people to church, uh, and it builds goodwill so they want to come back. So those three things, attractional campaigns, uh, wow weekends, and comeback events, have caused us to, to bump in attendance, and then, you know, no church grows straight uphill. It's more hilly. So right. you grow, and then you consolidate, and you grow, and you consolidate. And so those give us those... Uh, growth surges that enable us to to continue to reach an ever-expanding number of people in our area. Wow, fantastic. So with that kind of framing our discussion today, uh, you have become, you're, and your staff have become very effective and efficient at event promotion or, or Super Sunday promotion, your Elevated yeah. Excuse Sunday promotion. Yeah. So, so tell us about that machine. Tell us how it works. Give us some ideas that kind of kick into play as you're building up to a big Sunday like Easter or some uh, or back to church Sunday, for instance. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you two caveats and want to say I, I don't know that we've become excellent at this. I think we can continue to get better at it, but we mm-hmm. have learned some things. The second thing I want to say before I kind of get into how to ramp up for a big day is uh, people may wrestle with the whole idea of manufacturing a buzz, manufacturing a reason to come to church. And I would argue that God has done this regularly, and you can see it. I believe it's actually the template in the early chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, for instance, uh, when, when tongues of fire fell on everyone and they began speaking in foreign languages in Acts 2, that was an attractional event. That was an elevated excuse to mm. come to the temple and, and hear about God, because everybody was talking about him. Uh, in Acts chapter 3, when Peter heals the lame man, everybody in town was talking about it. In Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira die, everybody was talking about it. So God seems to have used some things to build some community conversation or community awareness or Mm. community buzz to get people talking about coming to church, and that's what we're trying to do with these. I love it. That's uh, fantastic, yes. Yeah, thanks. So we think of these extra uh, special Sundays as like holidays, although I'm not sure I've ever communicated this to my church, but when you think about how people prepare for the holidays, in late September, everybody in in America is starting to think, what am I going to do for Thanksgiving? They're already thinking about it. And by October 1st, they're thinking, okay, Christmas presents, how am I going to buy them? Where are we going to spend Christmas? Who's, who are we going to do it with? Uh, Valentine's Day, maybe not so much, but at least two weeks ahead of time, diligent husbands are thinking, okay, i got to plan a date night. And So my, my point with that is uh, successful holidays or successful big days in any realm start with thinking and talking about them ahead of time. So for us, we build our church calendar around these big days or uh, elevated excuses. Uh, starting with the school year, uh, which for us starts in late August, we know about three weeks after that is a tremendous time to do uh, a, a churchwide campaign. Uh, this is a time when people are thinking about new things and 
living better, and so we'll do a campaign like the God Questions or the Purpose Driven Life. Or I wrote a, a, a my fourth book was the Bible Questions. Uh, I wrote a book called Future History on the book of Daniel. Hmm. Uh, anything that has large invitability, and the reason the book of Daniel does is because people want to know about the end times. People want to know about the Bible, if you put it in the right frame, and they certainly want to know about God, and they want to know about purpose. So all of those are big pictures. Marriage is another big picture. So I, I'm going to uh, think about what we want to do for a four- to six-week campaign at least eight or ten weeks ahead of time so that throughout the summer I can be excited about it and start talking to people about it, just like families are talking about Thanksgiving ahead of time. I'm going to say, wow, this September, uh, and this really is true, uh, we're re-releasing the God Questions. It's been out for ten years, and it's helped so many churches that Outreach, our publisher, has asked me to do a revised version. So we're releasing the 10th anniversary one. So uh, mm. that actually comes out July 1st. So I'm already talking to our church about it. Why? Because I'm excited about it, and I want them to be excited. I want them to get ready to invite friends. I want them to think about being in a small group if they're not already. Uh, I want to plow the ground to get people ready so that when I or one of our pastors asks them, would you consider leading a small group this fall, uh, they they think, oh, I've heard about it. I'm going to be in one. Yes, I'll I'll do that. So at least six or eight, or better yet, ten weeks out, you got to decide on what you're doing and then begin dripping about it. And we just do this naturally, right? If you're excited about something, you talk about it. Right. One of the places you talk about it is in your sermon. Wow, this fall we're going to answer the six major questions that every person has about God, the Bible, and Christianity. Is God real? Is the Bible true? And uh, what about other religions? Uh, what about the problem of pain? Uh, what about creation versus evolution? What about heaven and hell and the afterlife? Everybody has those questions. I hope uh, you'll start praying like I am for your neighbors, because this is going to be a strategic opportunity to invite them. So you begin dripping early, and then within eight weeks of starting, you want to figure out what is your advertising, your marketing plan. Your your primary marketing will be getting your people to invite their friends. Mm -hmm. So then you think, okay, so we've got to design a, a little card, and the ideal is a business size card, because even men can put that in their wallet. They're not going to haul around a postcard or something, but if you give them invitational business cards, uh, they can hand those to their friends, and that has the service times, and the, it lists the, the messages. People don't want to come to church, but they do want to come to an event, and those messages show you on September 18th, we're going to answer, is God real? On September 25th, we're going to answer, is the Bible true? On September or October 2nd, we're going to answer, uh, what about other religions? Uh, it's got a map to your church and your website and all that. So y you've got to plan those ahead of time. So about eight weeks out, you have someone design a business card, and they're inexpensive. You can get them for $20 for 1000 So uh, you build your your advertising plan around what works best, and the number one thing is motivating your people to invite friends, and you empower them by giving them business cards. You wouldn't give them the business cards eight weeks out. You'd probably do that four or three weeks out, but in order to have them four or three weeks out, you got to print them or at least design them eight weeks out. You following all this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh. I, I'm totally oh, okay. in line. This is great. 
So the second thing, now, now that I've begun to empower my people to think about being involved and inviting their friends, the second is, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, that by whatsoever means, I'm going to do things that people might be saved. So mm. I don't want to just rely on personal invitation. I also want to do some mass inviting to people, which is what you know, the, the tongues and, and the fire descending was. It was a mass invitation. You didn't need a friend to tell you to go to the Temple Mount. You heard about it and you saw it. Right. So for us, uh, we've discovered that postcards are very effective because uh, people read them. You know, if you, if you send someone a letter and they get that it's a form letter, they may tear it up before they even open it up. But a postcard, you, they have to glance at it at least while they're throwing it in the trash. Right. And if they're interested and you've prayed, the Holy Spirit just may nudge them. Uh, I think churches that can afford it ought to send two or three postcards a year always to an event, never to church, but always to this attractional series, this WOW weekend, or, or this comeback event. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are backbones for us. And then the third piece of backbone, which is the second mass marketing, if, if direct mail is the first, is Facebook ads. They're very inexpensive now. You can target an area of three miles or five miles around your church. Something like 86% of people have a Facebook account. And if you will design things and then pay to have them boosted for very little money, you can create a buzz around your event by simply putting ads on Facebook. Now, if you do that, I encourage you not simply to do a static ad, uh, but do a suite of different things. Like mm -hmm. one might be an ad that says, uh, come here, uh, uh, the paraplegic uh, triathlete whose last name I can't remember, but his first name is Scott, and he's from okay. Georgia. Come, come hear him on this weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, that's interesting. But maybe the second one is an interview with him and the pastor on a video, because video actually gets m more traction. You know, only a 30-second or 45-second video, or people won't watch it. But there's a second impression that's not simply, oh, yeah, I've seen that ad, I've seen that ad. The third might be a testimony, or, and the fourth, uh, I don't know. But you get the, the, the point. Build a suite of advertising that you're going to release probably the two weeks leading up to that event. And then you could do some other things as well. You, you and I have talked about radio or uh, newspaper. The problem with those are, uh, they often reach an audience that isn't in your area, so you want to figure out how to True. target those. And newspaper is generally done only for older folks. Mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter might be of some use, but the primary social media is Facebook. So those would be the backbones for us. Right. And then we're going to do a ramp-up, especially if it's a campaign. So uh, six weeks out, we're going to do an onslaught of asking Every person that we think is qualified to lead a small group, will you do it during this campaign? And then we're going to train them four weeks out. Starting at four weeks out, we're going to start mentioning it and asking people to sign up. We're going to have a sign-up sheet in the lobby, but we're going to make it simple enough so that they not only can register for a small group in the lobby by seeing all the groups that are listed in their times on the picture of the couple or the individual who's leading it, but we'll say, or just check on your box uh, inside your program, right? I'd like to be in a small group, and if you know what day of the week, tell us that. We will make it as easy as possible for you to sign up. We'll have a, a place on our website uh, to have them sign up there, too. So you can do it in the lobby, you can do it in church, you can do it on the website. We're going to make it very simple, and every week from four weeks out, we're going to encourage people to join a small group.
then starting three and two weeks out, we're going to encourage them not only to join a small group, but to think about friends that they want to invite. And that's when we start putting the invitation cards in the program. So we'll clip five of them together and we'll say, in your program this morning, or some churches call it a bulletin, in your bulletin this morning are, are five invitation cards to our series, The God Questions. Those mm. are not for you. Oh, yeah. You're already invited, and we know you're wanting to come. And we know Those are for you to invite your friends. So why don't we just take a minute now to bow our heads and pray, Lord, who would you have me invite? Would you please enable me to bump into them, or maybe I would even call them directly uh, to invite them to that? And you're going to do that every week into the series, not only the three weeks and two weeks and one week beforehand, but, but if you've got a great series, like the God Questions is seven individual messages that can be heard alone. You don't have to have been there the week before uh, to answer the question, what about other religions? You don't have to know why the Bible's true. You can, they're, they're standalone messages. So three weeks into the series, I can still be inviting a friend. And then two weeks ahead of time, we're going to ask everybody to buy the book. Every good campaign has a book involved, and we'll even ask them to buy two copies of the book or three copies, one for you to read and have during the campaign, and two to give away so that you can say to a friend, hey, this is a really helpful book to me. Uh, our church is going to be studying it for the next few weeks. Would you join me in studying this? We're going to be preaching on it in church, and then our small group meets on Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever, and love to have you join that as well. Or if you're in a Sunday school class, that could still work. Our, we're going to be preaching on it, we're going to do it in Sunday school as well. So that's pretty much our ramp-up. I can go into more detail and answer questions okay. when we well, get together I, in September. But Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We look forward to giving you more time. Let me ask you a couple questions real quick. First of all, give us some clarity on uh, why, the, why the small group push leading up. Ah, well, because we believe that uh, life change happens best in a small group. Uh, you and I are uh, paid to be good. Small group leaders are good for nothing. <laughs> so uh, when, when a small group member says, well, here's what I've discovered, everybody in the group goes, really? Wow. Interesting. Or, or like if you're going to a discipleship series and he says, well, I've discovered that I need to spend 15 minutes with the Lord every morning in order to walk in godliness for the rest of the day. It, when I say that up front, people go, of course, the pastor. In fact, he only spends 15 minutes. That's ridiculous. But when a small group leader says it, uh, members of the group say, well, if he can do that with his busy schedule, maybe I should too. So life change happens best in a small group, and community happens better there too because it's a group where you can know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, celebrate and be celebrated. So we want all of our members to be in a small group, which if your church has the room to do it and has small enough Sunday school classes for adults, that can serve that too. We just want them in, in life-on-life uh, groups of less than, well, 12 or less people so that they can connect up and feel like they've got relationships right there with people they're growing with. So uh, we do campaigns two and sometimes three times a year, and that's a corporate excuse not only to invite a friend and to get involved in the series, but it's a corporate excuse to invite friends into a small group, too. And as a result of doing that for 10 years, we have over 80% of our adult population, senior hires and above, in small groups on a regular basis. Because if you come to our church for six months, you're going to get involved, you're going to at least hear about one campaign. And if you say, yeah, we don't have time for the small group component, well, 
six months later, when you hear it again, you go, you know, I noticed everyone is in a small group. Maybe we should do this as well. And once you're in, if the small group is well-led, you're going to stay in the small group, even when they're not doing a campaign, but just studying whatever the small group leader uh, or the church chooses to do on those off times as well. Do you find there's a good percentage of people that, uh, as part of just getting swept up into the vortex of <laughs> promoting the campaign six weeks, five weeks, three, four, two weeks out before the big event Sunday kickoff, do, do many people actually come into the small group first? Do your small groups swell a little bit before uh, with this well, push, before the big, the big Sunday? They could. Ours don't uh, be, because we, we often will take a break for two or three weeks during holidays, like at least here in California, to expect someone to show up for a small group in December is unrealistic. Right. So sure. we will relaunch all of our small groups the second or third weekend in January, depending on how far that weekend is from January 1st, because you can't begin promoting uh, a, a big event uh, during Christmas. You can, you can promote Christmas, but you can't promote past Christmas until January 1st. So we'll launch probably, uh, we'll do a comeback event on, on because we'll do I Love Sundays on the second Sunday in January. The third Sunday, we'll either start an attractional campaign or we'll do a WOW weekend, which then leverages. So we've learned to stack our elevated excuses, too, so that uh, people who start coming have a hard time not coming back. And now I forgot your question. <laughs> no, that's great. Just talking about your small group. But I was just curious oh, if yeah. they swell a little bit you know, with yeah, the push so leading up to the event. Yeah, it'll be a formal launch on the the Sunday night after we start our attractional okay. campaign or uh, the Sunday night that we do a wow weekend or sometimes we'll decide, you know, let's start our small groups eight days after the wow weekend because somebody who comes thinking, like we had Bethany Hamilton here one year. We were, I think, 1,400 in attendance at the time. Bethany Hamilton was such a wow. She's a one-armed surfer girl who did a uh, a movie that really attracted people's mm-hmm. attention. We had 4,600 4, people here that weekend. Oh, my word. Well, most of them had no thoughts of returning, so we didn't think that night or that Wednesday they would probably get a small group. But we had high incentive for them to come back the next week by launching into an attractional series that we thought they might be interested in. And so we started our small groups not the Sunday that or the Sunday night that Bethany came, but, but eight days later so we could say, hey, you ought to consider coming back next weekend, and you ought to consider getting in a small group with us. Uh, there's information about those in the lobby, so you can see what we're doing and all that sort of stuff. So sometimes we even delay uh, a week to give our newcomers a chance to go, wow, I could do that, as opposed to, well, we already had plans for this Wednesday night. Right, right. Excellent. Now, let's look at Easter for just a second, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times Easter is about the resurrection or, or whatever. Yes. Uh, but do you frame up Easter in a way that's attractional from the standpoint of answering a God question or something similar to yes. that? Tell, tell us yeah. a little bit about so, Easter. Easter is the biggest day of the year, hopefully in everyone's church, and yeah. we start with what we call a seven-week ramp up to Easter. Uh, seven weeks before Easter, we're going to put a, a, a mirrored card, both of the there's it, it, got a perforation down the middle and both sides are the same. We call it a seven-by-seven seven card. 
And so we're going to put one of those in everyone's program and say, in your co- program this morning is, a, is two 7x7 seven seven cards. What we'd like you to do is begin praying for seven of your friends who don't attend church but are close enough to be able to drive here, and we'd like you to ask, ask you to pray for them every day for seven weeks that, that they would show up on Easter where they will hear the gospel and hopefully have their eternity changed. So fill out the exact same seven names on your left-hand card, the exact same seven names on your right-hand card, tear it apart, and put... Uh, one half of that in the offering bag so that we can pray with you. Then we're going to take those cards and we're going to tack them on a wall to remind us all that we're praying every week, and we're actually going to do that uh, on week six before Easter, too, because we know not everybody comes every week. So we'll do seven by sevens, uh, seven and six weeks out, and then five and four weeks out, uh, we're going to invite people to take home yard signs about our church and bumper stickers that are easily peel-offable, because at least Californians hate bumper stickers, but when I guarantee them it won't hurt their bumper and they can take it off after Easter, and this is uh, an excuse to be sanctified and build a, a godly habit of driving in ways that doesn't offend people for the next five <laughs> weeks. So we give them those as mass evangelism pieces right. leading up. And then uh, on weeks four and three, we give them a, a set of random act of kindness cards. We say, you've been now praying for four weeks for your lost neighbors. Uh, here's a, a brochure in your program of suggestions like buy them dinner, invite them over, mow their lawns, give them soup, uh, buy a a Starbucks for the person in in line behind you, uh, and then leave a random act of kindness card. And so it says this is a random act of kindness done done for you in the name of Jesus by New Song Community Church with our website and and address on the thing. So uh, we'll give those out three and four and three weeks in advance, and then two and one week out, we ask everyone to come to every service, either by bringing a friend to sit with or uh, serving in the services that they don't attend. We say, Easter is your Super Bowl. Uh, During Super Bowl week, uh, everyone involved works their hardest all week long, and you know what? This really is the Super Bowl of Christianity. This is the week that Jesus worked harder and gave more than any other time. So we're asking all of you to come to all services, uh, none of you to take off and go to the Bahamas on vacation, but to be here for that mm. and to either serve in every service or bring a friend to every service. And bringing a friend is even better. But it's far better to bring seven friends to seven different services than all seven friends to one so that you can give them all personal attention. Uh, and so we do a formal ramp up for Easter. Our goal is to double our attendance on Easter. And then to answer the real question you asked, So on Easter, yes, I do want to preach the resurrection, and I want to give a salvation message, but I want to do the message in such a way that it introduces the series we are now starting. We always launch a series on Easter because it's far easier to get someone to return who has already sampled what you're giving them than heard about what you're giving them. So if you preach a straight resurrection message and then say, Oh, by the way, next week we're starting a series on the family, which, by the way, is the most attractional series to do, or parenting, or marriage. Um, That's great. Uh, You'll attract back some people from Easter if you do an attractional series right after Easter. But what, what I have done when I'm preaching the resurrection and knowing I'm going into a family series is, 
I'll point out that John was Jesus's cousin, and Jesus entrusted his mother to John while he was on the cross. This was about family. Imagine what you would be feeling if you were watching your cousin be crucified. Imagine what you went through getting to that point. Imagine what your mom feels like watching you crucified. The resurrection, the the crucifixion was a family affair, and they were all involved post-resurrection as well. So uh, I try and skew the message, not, you know, mess with the biblical text, but use it to shine a light on and introduce the first message in whatever the series we're going to do that starts on Easter. And we announce we're starting the series on Easter. We don't announce it. Easter is not a good day to, to have a fancy title. People just want to come for Easter. So you, okay. a title for Easter is a reason to stay away. But once they're in your building, you want your message notes to reflect, uh, this is God and the Family Part 1, or whatever you're calling right. it. So okay. that's what your message notes would say, and that's what you preach. And you say, and next week is God and the Family Part 2, which is, I should have thought about this better for you. God and the Family is not necessarily a great title but you you get the point yes yeah yeah absolutely very good answer to the question uh, appreciate the clarification because <laughs> uh, a lot of guys w- they need to do that we're encouraging that you know that they do launch into a series tell me a little bit about social media how do, do you give people you know uh things to to tweet out or, or or share on status updates on facebook or you just encourage them to do it i mean i know that's a big piece is mobilizing your people yes. on their social media platforms yeah. Tell me, are you doing um, anything strategically there? We Yes, we're trying to, but we are actually learning more from other churches. For instance, New Spring, uh, which is a Southern Baptist church, I think they're the masters of social media. They ask all of their staff members to retweet and to uh, share Facebook posts whenever Perry Noble or, or um, New Spring post something. They ask all their staff to do that, and that builds a habit of their members doing that. We haven't quite gotten there. We're working on it, but we do encourage our staff members to to share when we post. Like right now, uh, we're leading up to our VBS program, which we call Kids Camp, and so we've already prepared a video from last year. It's just a two, three-minute video of high-energy pictures of kids having fun uh, that's on our Facebook page, and it's already been shared, I think, 30 times or something by members of our church, which uh, then helps people in the community to know they ought to register their child for that. So there's that echo effect, and we try and use that. And third-party testimony is even better than buying ads. Mm. So uh, for Big Sundays, we want to buy ads, but when that ad, or e- even before it's an ad, maybe you just post it on your website, if it gets shared, uh, that's an endorsement by the person. So we want to do that. Uh, one thing we are learning but haven't done is uh, using facebook to engage our audience so you can say this series starts on and you can put the logo on your facebook page and that is a passive response your desire with your social media is to get people to like share or comment right and and uh, like and or excuse me share and comment are far better ones so rather than just saying uh next sunday we're starting ephesians you you give a great title to Ephesians, the Magna Carta of the Church. Well, maybe that's not a great title, but some sort of relevant title. Right. And, and knowing that this is coming four weeks ahead of time, you start asking discussion questions uh, on your Facebook page, uh, like, uh, what do you think the power of the resurrection can do? That's a bad question, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Sure, sure. You ask questions that de- are designed to get your people responding, commenting, and sharing 
uh, on the social media, so it becomes uh, a platform of engagement for your church, and it enables uh, your church to be seen by other people when when it gets shared. That's kind of my 101. Again, we're still learners in this realm. Uh, if you join the the New Spring Network, they have a lot of free things, and I think there's a lecture or two on their website on on utilizing social media, which includes Instagram, Pinterest, and and Twitter, but I think that they're less returning there. If you're just starting, right. major on Facebook. Get yeah. a church Facebook page and post there every week. Yeah, Facebook is big. And, yeah, we encourage uh, people that if you're doing some kind of a video, uh, posting that to Facebook or whatever, that you do include that. We call it a call to action, like yeah, even even go. to say, Good. even if it's just a text scrolling across at the end to say, hey, like and share comment, like, and share, you got to tell people what to do, and they'll respond in, in greater numbers if you actually just tell them. <laughs> so, That's a good word. Yeah. The, the other thing to be aware of is if you post on Facebook and you've used some copyrighted um, music, mm-hmm. they will not allow that to be posted. They'll take it down. So you've got to use generic underscore for your uh, music bed for a video on Facebook, or it won't even get seen. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we encourage that for everything. By the way, uh, you know you got to be careful about images that you use, uh, music yes. that you use. You you just got to be careful. So make sure that if you are using images, that they're licensed images for you for you to have reuse of. But you know what? A lot of times the candid shots you take with an iPhone sometimes get more attention than some of the more yeah. polished stuff you buy. So. Uh, That's a good word. But, but you know, something's better than nothing, so we want to encourage everybody to, to be doing that. Yeah. Put put the images That's up, put word. the videos up. If you're up. not doing anything, start, and you're <laughs> already moving forward. Absolutely. Well, this has been rich. Uh, you know, we've got to understand that uh, Sunday is the best day of the week to leverage, and, uh, and yes. then we have certain Sundays we can leverage even better than others. And one of the things, the big takeaway from you, Hal, is uh, – that we can choose, we can create Sundays in a way, or we can create yeah. leverage points through the year that we can make the most of. Sync that up with the re- with the life of the church in terms of our discipleship opportunities, small groups, Sunday school, and also mobilizing our people, and then doing the other things around mass invite. The timeline has been incredible in terms of just thinking through uh, how you're building up and ramping up to the big day, tying that into a, sur- a series kickoff. Uh, I like your word campaigns. Uh, that's exactly what it is, and uh, the way to make that appealing uh, to those that we're inviting and mobilizing our people to pray for the lost, to pray for those they're going to invite, and uh, and bringing those folks in. Is there anything that you do in terms of on the day of a big Wow Sunday or an Easter? Is there anything you do special with your um, with your your uh, decision cards, anything different there, anything unique, any suggestions uh, about getting... You know, we, we present the gospel regularly in church, uh, although I'm, I've been uh, asked to make a commitment now that we will present the gospel 52 consecutive weeks, not just the gospel, but an invitation to receive the gospel. Derwin Gray and, and I and a couple other guys are, are, have been asked by outreach to lend our names to uh, a pledge, that, and our goal would be that I think it's 50,000 pastors would say, I will share the gospel in my church service every week for the next year. And, hmm. uh, so we're going to do that for sure on every big day, uh, but we have a system for that. So uh, I, I don't ask people to come forward. This is Southern California. So, uh, I, well, actually, sometimes if, if I know we'll have at least 10 or 15 people receive Christ, or if I'm pretty sure of that, then I'll have them come forward. But the, the fear is when you've got one or two, they may find, find seem 
feel awkward coming forward. So we will ask people to raise their hand, mm-hmm. and as they do so, I'm going to celebrate that, and, and, uh, and I'm not asking people to bow their heads at that point. I, I want you know, a public declaration. Did you pray that prayer with me? Great, raise your hand. Uh, there's a lady coming down the aisle who's going to give you a packet. Don't be scared about it. It's nothing weird. It's just you've started your first date with Jesus, and we want you to have an ongoing relationship. So if you would, stick around afterwards, and he or she will go through that material with you and begin to help you to understand how to have a daily relationship with Jesus. And so in in the packet they bring is a four-week discipleship program we, we've developed uh, and so we, we, we standardize that with every service, and we, we get their name then one-on-one so that that person can uh, follow up with them and have a one-on-one relationship. Their goal within those four weeks is to help them understand um, prayer, Bible study, the need for a small group or fellowship, uh, church attendance, and hopefully by the end of that time they've been baptized or they understand the need to be baptized and will be very soon and have joined a small group. So uh, we have that all chained together. Uh, I I have become convinced that the most important 20 minutes of a person's life are the first 20 minutes after they pray a prayer to receive Jesus, because they're open and they're ready, but someone needs to tell them what to do to continue that relationship. And if Mm. we miss that, quite often that person leaves and says, well, I prayed a prayer, so I've got a fire insurance policy uh, whereas you and I would probably question whether they're going to go to heaven if they don't look like fruit that remains. So right. that first 20 minutes after a salvation prayer is so critical that we do everything we can to get them into a conversation that leads to a relationship at least for four weeks with one person and then hopefully in a small group for the rest of their lives. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. That That's such good insight. Thank you for throwing that Thanks. in for free there. Well, let me say... <laughs> One more thing that I think is really sure. key to these elevated excuses, uh, which is uh, all pastors know that anyone can show up any weekend, mm. and all unchurched people know that they can show up at church any weekend. And so generally they don't. Generally right. the thought is, well, maybe we should go to church someday, Martha. Maybe we should go to church next week. Ah, something came up. We'll go in the future. Right. Uh, but when they hear that... Um, Michael Franzese is a guy we've had twice. He's an ex-mafioso who's number 18 on the most wanted list. When they know that Michael Franzese is coming on February 11th, if they want to hear Michael Franzese, they don't have 52 weeks to come. They have to come February 11th. That's why people come on Easter. They can only celebrate Easter on Easter. If they they want a T-shirt, they've got to come on I Love My Church Sunday. If they want to be there as part of the celebration of National Back to Church Sunday, they've got to come on National Back to Church Sunday. So it forces people to make a decision to come to church because this is the only weekend you're going to get this. Oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely the truth. Yes, which is why why this works, and and which is why we need to be giving it a lot of forethought over the next 12 months and really baking it into the church calendar to make sure it's going to happen. Because you're right, later means never, and I'll try means I won't. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, we've got to give them these excuses. I love it. I absolutely love it. And and, uh, uh, there's so much more we could go into, and we are. So we want to encourage everyone listening to – you know, be with us in September, definitely at the Strategy Conference. Uh, lots more to say there. You're sharing a couple of times, uh, Pastor. How yeah. going to have a Q and A panel with some guys? It's going to be a great, great time. Uh, I tell you, we just really appreciate your leadership. We appreciate your mission heart. We appreciate your 
your passion for the Great Commission and to honor God, glorify God by sharing the gospel regularly and seeing so many people born again through your ministry, both on your campus and off. And we appreciate the diligence with which you and your staff have applied, uh, you know, gospel intentionality uh, to your calendar, to your schedule, and and, and sharing it. You, you've been very generous with the rest of the country because uh, a lot of us out here, you know, you're out in California. By the way, I mean, I can't think of two more beautiful words than California and Oceanside in the same sentence. It sounds like <laughs> I've been to San Diego. It's like, you know, I remember John Maxwell said one time that San Diego is where we're going to go on the weekends once we go to heaven. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And there you are, Oceanside. Yeah. That's got to be, you know, yeah. the next best thing to eat. But all the way out here in Georgia, we're going to see Facebook light up, you know, in the fall with Back to Church Sunday invitations because it's caught and, and people are using that. Wonderful. And it's a great thing. It's just an incredible phenomenon. And, and, and a lot of the guys here in the Georgia Baptist Convention of Churches are, are using that to, to, to invite people back to church. And so we appreciate That's your awesome. sharing with that. God's given you that, and you've shared it with us, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for all the detail you went into today. I'm glad this is recorded so that uh, the guys listening can rewind and uh, get it over and over and, and, and begin to talk to their staff and their leaders about it to make it happen in their church. So, Pastor Howe, we will see you in September, and we appreciate you so much. Thank you. I am looking forward to being with you guys. God bless you. All right. God bless you. Pastor Greg Laurie has an important question. Are you trying to find happiness and all the stuff this world offers? How's that worked out for you? All my life I've struggled with things that I've dealt with in my past. I was starting to lose my family. Find the peace of God. Stop running from Him and instead start running to Him. Harvest Georgia with Greg Laurie at Infinite Energy Arena, September 23rd through 25th. It's free. Get details at georgia.harvest.org.